Despite growing uncertainty, American farmers are feeling optimistic about the current conditions of the ag economy. When it comes to future prices, are producers feeling the angst about the other shoe dropping soon? That's today on Field Posts. DTN Progressive Farmer podcast that dives deeper into the most important trends in agriculture to explore the business's cutting edge. I'm your host, Sarah Mock. DTN's latest Ag Confidence Index captured the perspectives of farmers as harvest concluded, the midterm elections wrapped up, and winter planning was getting underway. Now the numbers have been crunched, and we have a clearer picture of grower expectations as the 2023 crop year looms. This week, we're joined by DTN Progressive Farmer Editor-in-Chief Greg Horsmeyer, who will take us beat by beat through the latest ag confidence numbers, shedding light on where the ag sector's collective head is at as solid grain prices persist. We'll dig into shifting perspectives from different regions and crop groups, understand how input prices and supplies fit in, and tackle how growers report preparing for uncertainties on the horizon. Plus, we'll discuss farmer outlooks given the promising weather forecast, inflation in the broader economy, and the perspectives of ag business, right after this word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by DTN's all-new Ag Summit series. The annual Ag Summit is a mainstay for progressive farmers who are looking to build knowledge and refine their decision-making skills during the winter months. But now, the team at DTN is bringing all the news, insights, and learnings to you throughout the year. Here's DTN Business Editor Katie Dellinger for more on the first Ag Summit Series event coming soon. What we've decided to do for 2023 is to do more frequent updates in a similar format and style as Ag Summit. So we're going to be doing the Ag Summit Series. The first event starts February 28th. We are going to be weighing in on this pre-planting situation. You know that it's going to be a tight race for acres this year. It's going to be an interesting one. And so what we're going to do is we're going to bring together DTN analyst Todd Holtman to really talk and lead the discussion on that. We're also going to have DTN ag meteorologist John Baranek give an updated and detailed look at the spring planting forecast so that farmers can really get an idea of what's going to be going on as they hit the ground in March when that discussion around acreage is really heating up. And then in late March and early April, when people are out there putting that seed in the ground, we're really looking to try and give some insight and some opportunities for discussion ahead of that at the DTN Ag Summit series. These DTN Ag Summit series events will be half days, so it'll be mornings, probably about 8.30 to 11 or noon. So it's not as much of a commitment as the DTN Ag Summit, but it'll be definitely worth your while to get up on the news and issues of the day with the people who are influencing it most. To learn more, visit spotlights.dtnpf.com backslash ag summit. Now back to the show. DTN Progressive Farmer Editor-in-Chief Greg Horsmeyer joins us today to give us the latest update from DTN's Ag Confidence Index. Greg, start us off with just talking about maybe some expectations coming into this survey and what are the top line takeaways that you saw from this report? Sure. Thanks for having me, Sarah. I would say going into this report, what we were looking for was 
how much the midterm elections might change people's opinions. We don't ask about that per se, but when we did this one, this particular one, we do these three times a year, just to back up, we do them three times a year, once in the spring ahead of planting, once in the midsummer, right before harvest, then we do them at the end of the year during tax season, really for farmers as they're arranging their taxes. And this year that ended up to be mid-November, early December when we were making the phone calls. And so well after the midterms. So the question was, how might some of those things affected farmers' opinion and how much the ongoing the war in Ukraine, the sort of topsy-turvy grain prices that are still good, but everybody's sort of waiting for that shoe to drop. How would that work into farmers' attitudes? And we saw that play out. I think we saw farmers are still optimistic. The index score for this particular survey is 111.8. That is higher than it was a year ago in 2021. During that sort of same period, it was a 98.5. So less than 20 points difference, but a significantly less optimistic score a year ago. And it had started trending up through spring and trended through the year, getting slightly higher all the time. So we were not surprised when we saw it be a little bit more optimistic than it was a year ago. And we also saw in the terms of how that score is arrived at some things that made sense in terms of how farmers feel about that. To get into a little bit of the sausage making on this, the way we come up with this score of 111.8 is we ask farmers questions about their current status and then what they think about a year from now. We ask them about their income. We ask them about their crop potential. We ask them all kinds of different questions. But the bottom line on these is, are you better off now than you were a year ago? And do you think you'll be better off a year from now than you are now? And so it's all put into perspective. And that basically produces two scores that we call the present situation score. So how do they feel about where they are right now compared to a year back and a year ahead? And then what do they think about a year from now that we call our future expectation score? And those two numbers are really what are weighted and put together and averaged. And then that creates the index. So you get a score for the current and you get a score for the future. And the current score is 162.1, very optimistic. Some in probably the top 10 of those scores that we've had. So farmers feel really good about where they are right now. As you can imagine, for it to slide all the way down to 111, what they think about the future is not so optimistic. And that's exactly the case here. The score for farmers' future expectations is an 84.8. So pessimistic, not horribly pessimistic, still close to that 100 level, which we call neutral. Anything around the 100 score is neutral. Anything above that, optimistic. Anything below, pessimistic. Excited to get into maybe what you think are some drivers behind that, but I want to start first with digging into those numbers you just mentioned a little deeper. It seems like that big swing between present optimism and future pessimism has been kind of part of a trend over the last three very uncertain years or so. It seems to have held for a while, even though like a year ago when there was still this present optimism, future pessimism, now it's a year later and it turns out still reason to be optimistic. I'm curious what you think about that swing that we've seen over the last couple of years. Yeah, it's a very uh, true. This has been the trend for some time now where farmers are fairly satisfied with where they are, but they're 
my phrase is they're waiting for that other shoe to drop. And I think that continues to bear out in the scores that we look at, that we know that grain supplies are still fairly tight, especially corn and soybeans. We know what the wheat market's done. That has given farmers income. They fair, feel fairly decent about the way things are right now and are fairly pleased in economic terms with what's happening. But they are for some time now, always worried about the future. I think it's, farmers are always the optimists. We always say that. That's why they get up every spring and plant because they continue to to be optimistic. But when you ask them questions about the future, they have to be thinking, when is this going to end? Because anybody that's been in this business more than a couple of years know the old saying, the best thing for high grain prices is high grain prices. And the best thing for high livestock prices is high livestock prices. We know that eventually in the commodity markets, we'll get caught up and those prices will begin to fall again. And I also think that one of the things that's really beginning to weigh into the future expectations, and we asked some questions related to this around it that, that sort of bared that out, um, is input costs. We know that prices are going to be fairly stable. We keep telling folks that there's been some changes here in the last couple of weeks, but in general, grain supplies across the world are tight and oil seeds are tight, but input costs are really beginning to, to eat into that profitability. Sure, I'm getting a decent price for my corn crop, but I'm paying a lot for nitrogen and for parts from my combine and my tractor and all those kind of things. And so I think that's part of one of those issues that is is coming in there because we asked some questions about as an aside as to what they thought about their ability to secure all the inputs that they needed next year and whether they'd be able to pay for those inputs or not and how that was going to affect. And those numbers, primarily farmers felt, I've got all the fertilizer I need. I'm going to get all the things that I need. I'm not worried about supply anymore. There was a period of time where that was an issue through COVID and the backside of that. But what we do see is that farmers said, but I know I'm going to have to pay for it. I know there were a pretty good percentage, about a third, who felt that they would have all the inputs they needed, but that they would probably be at a level that would affect profits. And about 20% of the farmers that we asked that question of, or that answered that question, said that they felt that they would be able to get the inputs that they needed, but it might significantly affect the profits that they were going to have in the year to come. So input costs continue to weigh on all this. I'm talking to farmers, I think that plays out anecdotally as well. I'm curious if you also in the survey asked about the midterm elections and kind of the political driver. I know DTN has asked about broadband in the past. Were there other factors that were driving maybe some of that future pessimism that you saw in the survey? Yeah, it's it, surprisingly enough, the midterms did not. And we asked a question, we gave farmers a whole list of things to say, what is the thing that's worrying you the most about the year ahead? And we asked about several questions around the economy. We asked about the broad economy. We asked about specifically the ag economy. We asked about the midterm elections and whether the political, we also asked just about the political upheaval and divergence that's happening in the country that everybody well recognizes that we just don't get along anymore and whether that weighed on them at all. And we were a bit surprised to find Although maybe not, but we were surprised to find that the political questions did not weigh very heavily on, on farmers at the moment. The thing that they said that weighed the most on them, that worried them the most, was the overall economy and any question around inflation, using the word inflation, got a fairly high score in that. So this issue of inflation, which gets back to import prices that we were, you and I were talking about earlier, um, but that the overall economy seems to be the thing that's probably worrying them the most, just in terms of where is all this going? 
Yeah. And you've talked a lot about prices, commodity prices and livestock prices being the counterbalance to that, but also that sense that there's another shoe that's going to drop. Was there a big distinction between regionally or different demographic groups, different crop farmers versus livestock farmers? Any big variations there? Yeah, there was. And sometimes there are, and sometimes there's not. We see primarily the Midwest. So we break it down into three regions, the Midwest, the Southeast, and the Southwest. We don't have a lot of subscribers and customers in the northeast part of the country. And so we don't really get into that too much in terms of asking folks there. So we primarily concentrate on those other three regions. And as you can imagine, the Southwest has been lower over the last couple of years in terms of their overall number compared to the rest of the country because of the drought that's been going on there. We actually saw that number come up a little bit. It's not anything that I would call significant. There is a margin of error on these things. We're talking to 500 farmers, not 50,000 farmers. So there is a bit of a margin of error there. But we saw that take a little bit of a climb um, as we've gotten some rainfall in that part of the country. Now, again, remember all of this is before the big rains that are hitting California. So that hadn't happened yet. We The interesting thing was the Southeast was really significantly below the rest of the country. And we're still digging in to see what's that about. We know there's been some big weather effects there. We know that the harvest there wasn't as, as big as what it had been in the last couple of years. We saw that come through in the Corn Growers Association corn yield contest. Some of the big winners that typically the sort of usual suspects that do really well in those corn yield contests are from the Southeast part of the world. And they didn't do as well this year as what they had done in the past. Still did well, but still yields off a little bit. The Midwest was slightly higher than the country in general. So if you remember one in 111.8 was the overall score. The Midwest farmers came in at a 124, so slightly more optimistic overall than the rest of the country. The Southeast came in at an 86. So that's significantly less than the rest of the country, almost a trade-off. They were almost more pessimistic as the Midwest farmers were more optimistic versus the average. So a little bit of break there. And again, you can look at the things that are going on. The Midwest farmers typically follow pretty closely to the overall because so much of this is dependent upon corn, soybean, and wheat prices. And that's what drives most of what Midwest farmers are thinking about. I want to switch gears and talk about, I think, the other surprising piece of information to come out of this. If folks have been following the Ag Confidence Index for a while, they might know that it is both farmers and agribusiness who is being surveyed. Talk to us a little bit about the discrepancy there between what kind of farmers outlook versus the outlook on the agribusiness side. Yes. Anybody that has been watching this knows that we do two surveys at the same time. We survey 500 farmers and that produces the Ag Agriculture Confidence Index. And we also survey 100 agribusiness managers, owners, the significant principal in that agribusiness. And that's grain elevators and machinery dealers and anybody that's in the agribusiness world that serves farmers. And over the history of this survey, which goes back to the summer of 2010, so over that history, the agribusiness score has been fairly stable. It's been a little over that 100 mark sometimes, a little under that 100 mark sometimes, depending upon the sort of the overall situation in the country. And what we've always said that sort of calls out is that even though the economy may be in, in a bit of a downside. Farmers still have to buy stuff. They still have to buy fertilizer. They still have to buy seed and chemicals and parts and all that. And so that that need to still go to the 
elevator and buy things or go to the dealer and buy things, regardless of what their situation, what the farmer situation is, tends to level that out. This time we saw an, in, an interesting break from that. So you'll remember the farmers said the world looked 111.8, so slightly optimistic. The agribusiness score this time was 67.7, so fairly significantly pessimistic. And again, the agribusiness score has always been just slightly 10 to 15 points over 100 or 10 to 15 points below 100. And this is significantly below that. And that was driven back to how we arrive at these scores with those two separate scores. This was mainly driven by a huge pessimism about future expectations. When we asked agribusinesses how they were doing today versus how they think they're going to be doing a year from now, whether they'd have the supplies to sell, whether profit margins would be cut lower a year from now than what they are now. That's the score that really brought things down. And that score was a 52.8, which is an all-time record low for the agribusiness score for the history for the 12 years that we've been doing this. And so you begin to pull the thread about what that's about. And I have to lean back on just in general conversations and also looking at what's going on in the world, you have to fall back on that inflation issue and the overall economy issue. Farmers are concerned about it. Agribusinesses are beginning to worry about it too. When we looked at the details of the questions that we asked, that seemed to be coming from really worried about profit margins. Were they, so you put this in, in, in the agribusiness owner's hands. I At some point, if I charge too much for whatever I'm selling farmers, they will start to balk. They will try to find out ways to trim fertilizer usage. They will begin to look for ways to curb their seed costs. They will maybe buy a used machine instead of coming to me and buying a new machine to replace that. So you have to think that agribusinesses are beginning to worry a little bit about, about what the future portends in terms of sales and the margins on those sales. I think it maybe would surprise folks, especially those farmers who are thinking about their pessimism in the future being related to high, pretty directly related to high input prices, that might seem to them that would be positive for agribusiness. But I guess there's a bit of a squeeze happening there where it's not that your local co-op or your local retailer is just increasing the prices for fun. They are also seeing increased prices there. Exactly. And more difficulty in obtaining things that still is a lingering problem. The supply chain issue is there. And so, yeah, if you're an agribusiness person and you're thinking about all of the effort that goes into making sure your shelves are as full as possible on everything, that all begins to cut into mar due to in, not only just to what I paid for that thing versus what I can sell it for, but the man hours and people hours that went into creating it and getting it there and getting it in the right place. So all that cuts into efficiency a little bit. It cuts into profit margin. So yeah, the squeeze is the right word. I think we we are beginning to, to see agribusinesses worry a little bit about that. Taking these numbers and all of this new information into account, it seems like one of the big things to watch going forward is just the general economy and maybe the Fed and interest rates and those kind of issues. What other things are you going to be keeping an eye on as you look out for whether or not some of these, some of this pessimism is is coming to fruition or not? Well, I think the big one, obviously, is grain supplies and grain prices. A year ago, when we did this, there was this 
threat of war in the Ukraine, but every, but a lot of gurus were saying, oh, that's not going to happen. Putin's not going to be that crazy. Here we are a year later, and it's caused a huge issue globally, but just bringing it down to the agriculture level, it's caused a huge problem in terms of grain trade in agriculture, which has helped to drive up prices. But ultimately, at some point, prices get to a point where you begin to push demand a little bit, and maybe that that has an effect when demand starts to drop because people just go, no, I'm just not doing that anymore. I'm going to back off on some of that. So I think really between the global economy and where inflation goes globally, because as a lot of people have talked about, inflation in the United States this time is not due to some monetary thing that we're doing in the United States. It's due to the whole overall global situation that's going on out there. So watching that is going to be one of the things that we're really going to watch closely and try to figure out what does that mean? Not Trying to take a global economy. What does it mean for the U.S. economy? And then what does that mean for agriculture? And watch that really closely. The war, obviously, we're going to continue to watch and see what what, what grain supplies do. I think one of the good things on the horizon, John Baranek, our ag meteorologist, is just worked on his winter outlook and using all of the team of DTN meteorologists to put together winter and spring outlook. And one of the good things on the horizon is that it looks like we're not going to have a fourth year of La Nina. We've had just three years of La Nina, which is a pretty rare occurrence. And that means spotty rainfall in a lot of the Midwest and in the West, and sometimes too much rain in the East. That seems to be backing off into a little bit more of a neutral condition this year. So we're hoping that means more general rains for everybody and continues to, to give farmers a grain to sell. Might have a little bit of a depression on prices, but we think it, it's better to have grain to sell than high prices and no grain to sell. So we think that's something that we're going to continue to really watch in terms of the overall mood. We don't see any huge, at the moment, any huge problems with spring planting. So we don't really expect a deluge in spring that's going to get into the planting window or things like that. Still some time to go there yet before we put a fine tooth on that. So we don't see those things happening and we hope that means that optimism will continue to grow as we move into spring. Spring is always a very optimistic time in agriculture, so that's exciting. Last question, just as you are thinking about the next couple of months, any stories or events that you are looking forward to that you think readers, listeners should keep an ear out for? Uh, we have in the progressive farmer in the February issue is a whole package about planting and planters and planting technology. And we'll also be carrying that on our digital properties once the issue is out. And so helping farmers think about the spring and think of how they take best advantage of the window that they've got is something that we'll be talking a lot about there. We've also have a number of stories. The farm bill is going to continue to be a big issue, but I think you've maybe even had some podcasts about that or are going to. That's one of the things that we'll continue to cover really closely as to how this new 118th Congress is going to develop a farm bill with all of the things that are going on around the policy creation and the fighting that's going on there. So those are probably two of the big things that we'll continue to watch. We, again, will pay really close attention to the weather. John Baranek is doing double time, not only doing some forecasting, but helping our reporters, especially our crops reporters, think about what that's going to mean for, for spring planting and those issues. And one of the things that we're continuing to watch, and we didn't talk about the livestock side of the Ag Confidence Index, but livestock producers were a little bit more pessimistic this time than crop producers were. And we have to think that's all about 
feed availability. Who in the livestock world has all the feed that they need? I don't know anybody that's not worried about, am I going to have enough to get me through winter and into spring? So we're going to continue to watch feed supplies and hay prices and forage prices as we move forward and try to figure out what's going to happen to this cattle herd specifically as we go into, into spring and summer. So those are all really big things to watch. I just think it's going to be a spring that's going to be full of a lot of, of things happening between the war and international policy and everything that's going on in Washington, D.C. We're going to be trying to do all we can to keep up with it and begin to try to give farmers the information they need to make decisions. And that's what we're all about. Every waking moment of every day is what do farmers and ranchers need to know to make a decision today or a decision about tomorrow. And I guess my guidance always to our readers is read us and read often because we're going to try to give you everything that we can to help you make those decisions. To learn more about the latest and historical Ag Confidence Index results, visit DTNPF.com or subscribe to the monthly DTN Progressive Farmer magazine. This episode of Field Post was brought to you by the team at DTN Progressive Farmer, with special thanks to Greg Horsmeyer. This episode was produced and edited by me, Sarah Mock, with support by Greg Hillier and Kylie Swanson. And a big thanks to all of you for listening. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And until next time, remember, the future of farming is here. Today's episode is brought to you by MyDTN. In today's environment, it's essential, more than ever, to get the most current and accurate information to help save your valuable resources and continue to be profitable. Get access to all the information you need to deal with this change from DTN. As the leading independent trusted source of actionable insights and market information, MyDTN gives you accurate weather forecasts, the most extensive database of grain bids, and the most timely news and analysis from our award-winning news team. These features and more are available 24-7 via desktop, laptop, and any mobile device to be with you on the go. Learn more at mydtn.com and start a free 14-day trial. Now, back to the show.